0: you to Prairie Duck Radio. Uh, Rick Holm, our Prairie Duck, is out of town, so I'm so happy to welcome Jill Cruz, a family medicine physician with the Avira Medical Group, Brookings. Hi, Jill. Good to have you with us. Hi. Good to be here. Well, thank you. And Jill brought a guest. Her guest today is a second year med student at USD, Carson Eisenbeis. Carson, it's good to have you here. Hi,
1: Joan. Thanks for having me on.
0: Well, we're happy to have both of you here. And as Bob just mentioned, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. I'm wearing red, and you're close to red there, Jill. Kind of a burgundy yeah. red. Carson, you're not with it yet. Didn't get the memo. Okay, <laughs> he needed the memo. Um, but because tomorrow is Valentine's Day, of course, February is the month to celebrate the American heart. And this month is the perfect time to raise awareness about heart disease and how people can prevent it, both at home and in the communities. And we'd love to discuss heart disease, but I think, and Jill mentioned this before the program began, it's really important first to discuss the impact of flu this season and what's happening in Brookings, South Dakota with flu.
2: Uh, There's definitely a lot of flu going on. Uh, Every week, the um, state sends out the report of how many cases of flu have been identified and um, confirmed in the state and right now we've had uh, 2620 confirmed cases just just in the state just in the state oh my yep Uh, 177 hospitalizations and four deaths already this year so and looking at our chart uh, they kind of graph out the last four years or five years so you can kind of compare we've Last year was the worst year on record of the last five, and this year we have already doubled the peak of last year.
0: So, so. last year was the worst of five years mm-hmm. on record, and, and this now year this is year looking to beat it. Do you, what do you think is causing all this? Flu obviously flu is causing it. But yeah. um, we get the flu shots, the flu most shots. people do, but mm-hmm. you cannot guarantee that the flu shots are going to cover this year's bug, is that the problem? Yeah,
2: that's part of the problem, um, just, and people getting the flu shot. So that's also an issue. Not everyone gets it. I hear lots of reasons why people don't want to get it. Um, you know, they, they're afraid that it will cause the flu or they got it and then they got sick that year um, and they blame that on the shot. You know, they say that, oh, they felt achy or sore. Uh, or I get the flu every time I get it. And, well, the flu virus is a dead virus. You, you can't get sick from a dead virus. Um,
0: Maybe and, we need to repeat that. Yes, When you, you receive you the flu, flu shot, shot. it's you, a dead virus. It's dead. It's pretty difficult or impossible to get sick from a dead virus. Mm
2: -hmm. Now, your immune system is going to recognize it and mount a response. So you may feel a little achy and sore, especially at the site where the injection was. But that's a sign that your body saw the vaccine and is doing something about it. Okay. So if you feel a little achy and sore that day, great. You
0: know it took. (laughs) That's good. Okay. For those who have held out and maybe we've (laughs) finally gotten to them, can they still get a shot?
2: Not in the Avera Clinic, we're out.
0: Oh, you're out. We are okay. completely
2: out. I don't know about the other local pharmacies, but in Avera, we are out except for our uh, Medicaid patients. We have a yep. few doses of Medicaid uh, left, but okay. um, for
0: anyone well, else. Well, you can call well, the different pharmacies. If mm-hmm. you've been holding out and you realize now, oh, I should have, you know, call the pharmacy, see, but basically, mm-hmm.
2: You yeah. may have blown it. We haven't hit the peak yet, and it, it, that uh, graph is just going straight up. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, what if people do have symptoms, flu-like symptoms? You could describe those. Should they go in and see the doctor, or should they stay home and buckle down? What, what should you do?
2: I would say it, it really depends on the person. If you're young and otherwise healthy, stay home you know, because you're going to be exposing everyone in the clinic. Right. Um, If you do come to the clinic, wear a mask so you're not spreading it to anyone else. Uh, If you have any other health conditions or lung conditions, asthma, COPD, you're elderly, you have diabetes, any other chronic health issue, it'd be good to get checked out because those are people at higher risk for having complications of the flu, needing to be hospitalized, or even the risk of death. So we definitely want the people that are more at risk to be checked out to be checked out quickly because, you know, there is medication for it, but we kind of reserve that for those who truly need it. One, because Mm -hmm. it's very expensive medication. Two, it only really shortens your duration of symptoms by about 18 16 to 18 hours. So it's not going to get you better quicker per se, but it's going to prevent you from being hospitalized or dying from it. So we really try to carefully select who we give that medication to because it does have some pretty significant side effects, uh, including psychosis and people have committed suicide from taking this medication.
0: So it's a pretty dangerous so med. It's, it's, it's a helpful, dangerous, but it's, yes.
2: It's useful in the right circumstance. And that's mm-hmm. something that you and your doctor need to discuss, is this the right circumstance for you?
0: Okay, and again, the symptoms of flu.
2: So symptoms, sudden onset high fever, and we're talking over a hundred, you know. So we're 101, 102. Um, you feel like you've been hit by a truck. Body aches, muscle aches, severe fatigue. Sometimes there can be some stomach upset, but don't confuse that with what people call the stomach flu, which is a viral it's gastroenteritis. Different. Yep. Quite so that's different. nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. That's not influenza. Influenza is a respiratory infection that sometimes can have upset stomach okay. with it, but. It's a respiratory lung infection. Well, for
0: all of us who have had our flu shots, thank goodness, um, and possibly would have any of these symptoms, if you're f- somewhat healthy to begin with, stay home, don't spread it, and take care of yourself, right?
2: Yeah. Wait until you've been fever free without any medications for at least 24 hours. Then you can go around the rest of the public and you should be safe and not spreading it. Uh, it usually, you yeah, know, if a physician or someone that works at a clinic is diagnosed with influenza, we are on mandatory leave for. Seven days
0: you after wow. the symptoms are so start. T- care of yourself. This is a good time to be inside anyway. Stay in, (laughs) stay in. Hey, we do need to take our first break, and as you know, our program is generated by our audience's call-in questions. Give us a call at 692-1430 with any medical questions on your mind. Should you be listening to our program out of the Brookings area, please remember to add our area code when you call. It's 605-692-1430. We'll address any of your concerns when we return. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We're happy to have you listening today. I'm Joan Hogan, and Dr. Holm is out of town, so in his stead, we have Jill Cruz, who is a family practice physician, and she brought along with her a young man, Carson Eisen Eisenbeis, who is a U.S.D. second-year med student. Happy to have you with us, Carson.
1: Thanks.
0: And as we mentioned at the outset of the program, we're going to talk about heart disease and its it's uh, National Heart Month in South Dakota, where throughout the country, America's yes. Heart Month. And so heart disease is at the top of people's list. But there's one thing, since it's uh, Valentine's Day, just about a Valentine's Day Eve, how about broken heart syndrome? What can you tell us about that?
2: Well, this was something that I made my student read up on last night because <laughs> it is uh, something that's often... Um, misdiagnosed. It's not very common, but just with that whole Valentine's theme and we talk about people getting their heart broken and, you know, hopefully <laughs> n- it doesn't happen tomorrow, but there no. are plenty of people no. with bad Valentine's stories out there. <laughs> uh, I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about this uh, often um, misdiagnosed and um, not widely seen uh, syndrome of broken heart syndrome. Broken
0: heart
1: syndrome. Yeah.
2: So want to tell us yeah. a little bit about
1: it, yeah. Carson? So, yeah. Interestingly, my parents got engaged on Valentine's Day, so I should wish them a happy uh, engagement anniversary tomorrow, I suppose. Um, but yeah, so broken heart syndrome is kind of what it sounds like, actually. It's uh, also known as Takatsubu syndrome or Takatsubu cardiomyopathy. Um, but interestingly, it's triggered by uh, extreme emotional or physical stress, um, uh, in 90% of cases, that's what causes it. So um, kind of like it sounds, a lot of the times it's um, a widow who has just lost their husband or someone who has had a close friend uh, pass away. And uh, the, so kind of the pathology behind it is your body creates um, what are called catecholamines or stress um, chemicals like epinephrine, norepinephrine. And those have an effect on your heart, basically causing it to um, its pumping ability to decrease. Um, so you have dysmotility in your heart. Um, dysmotility? Yes. What is that? So um, <laughs> basically, it's not pumping like it's supposed to. Your heart's the pump that circulates the blood through your body. Um, and when it's not pumping, that's not good because your body's not getting the blood that contains the uh, vital nutrients and oxygen that it needs. Um, so with this, you get symptoms similar to a heart attack actually, um, chest pain. Good.
0: So there is such a thing as a broken heart syndrome. Yep. My yep. goodness.
1: Um, I can keep going well, yeah. <laughs> if you want. It's interesting yeah. though. Yeah.
0: So have people actually died from this?
1: Yep. So it's not very common. The prognosis is fairly good with about a 1% to 5% mortality rate in the hospital. So, yes, so very few people
2: actually die from a broken heart, even though it may feel like it (laughs) when you're dumped or or you lose someone uh, very close to you. So uh, but, yes, it's showing that your emotions do have a very powerful impact on your physical health. So, you know, um, not dealing with that or not dealing with grief or loss can physically cause you to hurt. Same way that we talk about depression can physically cause people to hurt and have pain. So mm-hmm. there is a really big, strong mind-body connection between how our emotions are and how our body functions. And this just shows that it, you know it really can affect your heart. Your, your mind can affect your heart. And mm-hmm. um, very interesting how our body is so intertwined with with us and our emotions and how we're feeling so it is just an interesting thing on yeah. on valentine's eve so hopefully no one uh, experiences this tomorrow <laughs>
0: right we don't want any heart broken heart diseases going around no. No. or syndrome broken heart syndrome um you know we are talking about heart health and there's so many different ways broken heart is one what mm-hmm. are some of the things that cause heart disease or or cause problems with your heart
2: probably the biggest thing that causes it is uncontrolled blood pressure so basically what I tell people is uncontrolled blood pressure is running hoses at pressures they're not intended to so if you had a garden hose and you hooked it up to a fire truck and you're (laughs) pumping it out at a very strong pressure how long before that garden hose bursts or has some weak point that breaks down Mm. so when that happens in our body that we call it, you know, you can have a heart attack, you can have a stroke, you can have an aneurysm that ruptures and those can all be very dangerous but you're not going to necessarily feel or see anything wrong until it's too late. So getting blood pressure under good control is very important uh, because you wanna keep the pressure at uh, a level that your blood vessels or the hoses
0: are rated for. So blood blood so pressure is blood really pressure, very, yes. very important. We
2: call it the silent killer because if you've got high blood pressure, aside from super high where you'll feel some headaches or some general fatigue or malaise, um, there generally isn't too much for symptoms of high blood pressure. And people are like, well, I take these medications for it. I don't feel any different. Or I just have side effects now from these meds. Why should I take them mm-hmm. when they're not giving me any benefit that I can see and feel? Well... You may not see or feel it but your hoses in your body you know the blood vessels are really reaping the benefits of having blood pressure controlled.
0: So, mm-hmm. if you've been on blood pressure medications, the worst thing would be to go off on your own. Right. You know, stay on them, talk with your doctor. Mm-hmm. If you're not happy with yep. possible side effects, talk to your doctor. Your doctor right. will be able to help you with that.
2: Because there are multiple different options for treating blood pressure, different classes of medications. So, there's different things we can do. And not every medication is right for every person or for their body. And what worked for your friend may not work well for you, or it may. Yeah. Uh, so, it's a, a conversation, um, you know. I know Dr. Holm will back me up on this. The biggest thing you can do for your health is to be open and honest with your doctor about what's working, what's not, what are your goals, what's important to you, and how can we come to something that is mutually beneficial?
0: Absolutely. You know, when you talk about uncontrolled blood pressure, I often think of my youngest sister. She's 14 years younger than me, just a kid. And when she was in her 40s, she went in for her annual checkup and the nurse said, oh, your blood pressure's high. No. She said, well, yeah, your blood pressure's high. No, you don't understand. I've never had high blood pressure. Well, it can come on. So the doctor came in and he said, I see your blood pressure is high. Well, that has to be a mistake. She was just sure it was wrong. She said, now maybe my sisters, because they've been overweight or they smoked. I never smoked. I've never been overweight. I exercise every day. I cannot have high blood pressure. He said, well, why don't you come back next week, Kim, and we'll test it again. Of course it was high. You can be as healthy as can be, do everything right, and you can still have high blood pressure, right?
2: Yes, there's still a very strong genetic component. I, my mother's like your sister, you know, five foot three, 120 pounds, soaking wet. Never smoked a day in her life. Doesn't drink, and she
0: has really bad high blood pressure. So it's not just. Yeah. Uh, poor living that no, can bring it on it's
2: not uh necessarily quote right. your fault right right <laughs> so you can. you can do
0: everything right and still have problems with high blood pressure yes. well we all love to tease the youngest sister anyways because she knows she's perfect <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to take our next break if you have any questions about the heart we'd love to hear from you give us a call we'll be right back Welcome back to Prairie Duck Radio. Joan Hogan here, ready to welcome all of you to sit down and enjoy this program. And I have been enjoying it. We have a guest today. Dr. Holm is out of town. And our guest today is Dr. Jill Cruz, who's a family medicine physician. And she has brought a student with her, a USD second-year med student, Carson Eisenbeis. We're glad to have you here with us, Carson. And because it is National Heart Month and tomorrow's Valentine's Day, we're talking about conditions of the heart. I had to ask, this was not called in, but I had to ask uh, Dr. Cruz about this condition because we had a friend who just recently emailed us and said, I'm so sorry, I can't come to this meeting because I just had my third episode of uh, vasovagal syndrome. Is that it? Vasovagal syncope, yeah. Syncope. and it was scary, so I can't come. Well, I had to look the thing up on the web. What is that? I had never heard of it, and then I mentioned it to you before the program, and Dr. Cruz said it's common.
2: Yes, very common. So vasovagal syncope is the most common cause of what you would call fainting. So feeling lightheaded, dizzy, passing out, that uh, is generally caused by vasovagal syncope. So the vagal nerve is kind of one of the main nerves that runs uh, through the body, and again, a, a Controls kind of those blood vessels. If those blood vessels suddenly all dilate really wide, you're going to all of a sudden drop your blood pressure, feel lightheaded, dizzy. Sometimes you may pass out. So oh, okay. uh, it can happen for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, very common for the kids that are standing in the choir and then they're locking their legs and not getting good blood flow, and then they can get Just lightheaded, pass out. dizzy, pass out. Yep. Okay. Or you're, you know, sitting through something and you you skipped breakfast and you're, you know, you're feeling lightheaded and dizzy. Um, Every med student will have a story about a time that they passed out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I have mine and it was vasovagal syncope. Uh, But again, skipped uh, breakfast that morning, standing in a surgery, very hot, breathing through a mask, feeling lightheaded and dizzy. And
0: pass out. Uh,
2: Well, my attending noticed it before (laughs) and um, in very, Um, No uncertain terms told me to step away and to sit down. (laughs) (laughs) And I was mortified, like most students are, that I felt lightheaded
0: and dizzy and never skipped breakfast ever again. (laughs) That never happened to you, Carson? A
1: very similar thing happened to me, actually. It wasn't even a surgery. It was just a cortisone shot. Um, but I was just feeling empathetic for the patient and the pain she was going through. And same thing. I skipped breakfast. It was early in the morning and I didn't actually lose consciousness either, but I did start to kind of lose my vision and got sweaty and clammy, but yeah, it's, (laughs) it's a really cool tie to how the heart. Um, connects to the brain and the rest of your body really because essentially it's just your brain is not getting enough oxygen so it shuts down and you faint.
2: Yep. <laughs> so it, the symptoms of it things to watch for um, at least for me I notice if I start breaking out in a cold sweat and then if That's I it. ignore that <laughs> then your vision will start kind of graying in from the outside. Mm-hmm. Once you get to tunnel vision you better sit down or you're going to be falling down. Okay. So
0: all right. Well, I'm so, sorry yes. that he's dealing with it. He must yes. not have had it until he was in his 70s, and now it, it's it
2: can happen really yeah. at any age. And trying to find the exact trigger of it, you know, a lot of times it is related to either stress or, um, you know, something that's going on. You got overheated. You skip breakfast. So mm-hmm. something usually causes it, but we never find like a precise. You know, this is your diagnosis. If you do this and avoid this from here on out, you'll never faint ever again.
0: Doesn't work that way. It doesn't
2: quite work <laughs> that way. I wish it were, but um, huh. it is just something to kind of be aware of. And then once you kind of notice those symptoms, you can treat them right away, and you know, know to sit down. So right. I know when to sit down, when to get some <laughs> juice, put your head between your knees, and you know, wait, you'll be okay. and it'll pass, mm-hmm. and you'll be just fine.
0: All right, well, that's good <laughs> advice for anyone. I love how easily you pronounce that too. Phasovas, what is it again? Vas- <laughs> vasovagal syncope. Vasov- yeah, right. Okay. It, <laughs> it helps so to
2: speak Latin. <laughs> You're and, not up on your dead languages? <laughs> oh, I did
0: take Latin for four years in high go. school, way back when. So,
2: good. yes, basically, <laughs> doctors are like um, Harry Potter spells. We're basically saying what we're doing in Latin, which most of the Harry Potter spells. Is basically saying what they're doing in Latin. It's <laughs> <So laughs> okay.
0: Well, we had a caller who wanted to know w- if you could define what's the difference between angina and a heart attack. Mm. All
2: right. So angina—that's t- uh, spasms of the vessels of the heart, and it causes pain. So um, when that spasms, they're not getting the heart's not getting as much blood. So it's angina is basically the heart screaming for more blood. It's saying I'm, I'm starved of oxygen right now and that's usually something that's reversible. So you take some nitro pill or you rest and those blood vessels will be fine, stop spasming and do okay. A heart attack is actually when there is a blockage usually by a clot or by a chunk of cholesterol and then that part of the heart is starting to die. So angina is, is reversible spasms where a heart attack is something that's causing death of heart muscle.
0: Okay. And your symptoms for heart attack are very, what, that's what I've, I've yep. been told.
2: Yeah. Um, especially in women. Most of the research, what we talk about with the crushing chest pain feels like an elephant sitting on your chest, pain going to the left you know, side of the neck and down the left arm, that's for men. Um, women have much more subtle heart attacks and depending on where the blockage is, the symptoms could be uh, much more subtle. As simple as just indigestion and just this feeling of being unwell, that just something's not right. So it is very difficult uh, sometimes to diagnose a heart attack just based on classic symptoms, and that's where doctors use lab tests like what's called um, cardiac enzymes like a troponin or a, a creatinine kinase. There are Um, special blood enzymes that we can test for that say if there's been any evidence of heart muscle damage in the last two weeks and those are very specific for looking for a heart attack. Also we use tools like an electrocardiogram or EKG and that's a heart uh, electric rhythm tracing and that will show us if there's signs of heart uh, muscle not getting uh, enough oxygen or signs of heart muscle damage on that. So that will show us both of those and will kind of show us a heart attack progressing. So those tools are used together to try to find if someone's having a heart attack and if we do we have that's, that's really a call to action to get something done. We call it the golden hour. The sooner we start treating a heart attack, the more we can save muscle and heart muscle and preserve function. So it's not something you wanna sit and wait and see if it gets better. If you have concerns, go into the emergency room right away. Um, don't go to the clinic. We will send you straight to the emergency room <laughs> <laughs> if we're really concerned that this sounds like could a heart attack. could be a heart attack. Yeah, because yeah. we don't have the medications that you need Um, we have an aed so we have basically what's in the back of an ambulance and we will call the ambulance and we do it a lot and send people straight over to the emergency room Um, you know if you feel like you're having this the other uh, thing that a lot of people do is well i'll just drive myself in or have my spouse drive me in don't do that please don't please don't do that (laughs) Uh, you know the thought is well i will get there quicker well what happens if you collapse while you're driving, there's absolutely nothing that your spouse can do and um, for you to help you. When you call the ambulance, they can get you on oxygen. They can get that EKG um, transmitted already to the hospital so we can get treatments already started and ready. If your heart were to stop en route and um, you go into you know an abnormal rhythm, they can fix it and they can start treating it right there on the way to the hospital. So, you know, even though you say, well, you know, I could get there in 15 minutes, a lot can happen in that 15 minutes and it's just not worth it to risk your life by saying, well, I'll just drive myself in because I should be okay.
0: Not a good choice. Not a good choice. No, so Mm -hmm. if you have any thoughts that it could be a heart heart attack, attack. call 911. Immediately. Immediately. Right, Best, best care you can give. Okay, well, we're due to take our final break. Uh, We appreciate you listening, and we'll be back right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I have Dr. Jill Cruz with me in the studio today and her USD second-year student, Carson Eisenbazs. Today we've been talking about the heart, and we've learned a lot about it and appreciate all the information that Dr. Cruz has given us. We had a caller who wanted to know about a hole in the heart. Her child has a hole in her heart, but the doctor said the hole is so small and will not require surgery. She's still concerned. What do you know about children born with a hole in their heart?
2: Well, actually, all children have a hole in their heart before they're born. So okay. that's how um, the blood flows, because uh, before you're born, you're not breathing through your lungs. So oxygen isn't uh, brought into the heart, and ox- blood isn't oxygenated through the lungs. It's, you get oxygen through the placenta. So there has to be this hole, because blood that's going through the lungs is getting nothing. Right now. So, the only way to get oxygen is through the placenta. So, there is a, a hole, what is is called the foramen ovale. And that hole is open. And then after birth, that hole is supposed to close shut. So, not in most children it closes shut within that first 24 hours of life Ah. Um, but not everyone has it seal completely shut and if it's open just a little bit a small amount of blood is going to move from one side of the heart to the other depending on where the pressure is Um, but usually if it's a very small one it's minimal Um, if they know about this hole then likely that means they've had an echo and the cardiologists that read this are incredibly intelligent, and they see this so often that they know what size needs to be surgically patched and what size is going to seal up on its own. Some kids are just late at having that close, but most of the time it will resolve completely on its own with no problems, as long as the child is eating and feeding fine, is not uh, turning blue when they cry uh, around their lips or in their fingers or toes. Um, it's probably small enough that it's not causing any significant shunt of oxygen poor blood you know, that's circulating through the body where it should be oxygen-rich.
0: Okay, what about when their child's older? Is there something to be concerned about? That, that so
2: w- if they have a, one, a patent foramen ovale or any other what we call atrial septal defects where the um, lining, the septum, the bridge between the left and right side of the heart has a hole in it, they watch those very closely. And okay. they do serial echocardiograms or ultrasounds where they look and to see how big is it? And the most important question is blood flowing from one side to the other? So if there's a little hole there but nothing's moving from one side to the other, that's not significant. it's it's not an issue. Um, so, but they are they are watched very closely by the pediatric cardiologists who, I know all the ones down in Sioux Falls, and I completely trust them, so their judgment. So have faith. It's going to be okay. Have faith, and again, ask questions. Ask them. We want to answer your questions. I would much rather answer my patients' questions than have them crowdsource it on Facebook and ask their friends, (laughs) uh, because you may get good advice. You may not. And... Uh, If you're not asking me, that makes me wonder how much trust there is, and there has to be trust between patient and physician. So, you know, please don't feel that we'll be offended. Don't feel that we'll, you know, think that there's something wrong or that, you know, maybe that's an opportunity for us to explain stuff better because uh, it's something very hard for doctors sometimes to remember the more we've been in practice that this is routine for us. You know, we can. We'll see hundreds of kids with these holes in the heart. It's not a big deal for us. No big deal. But it's but your for child, and for you. It's a big deal. And <laughs> right. sometimes we can. Uh, please forgive us for forgetting that this isn't routine to you. And um, it. It's. I think just kind of a, a hazard of the job that you do something for so long that you just kind of get used to it and forget that being sick and having problems is never routine to any of our patients. So help us remind us of that so we can do a better job.
0: Oh, that's that's great advice and we really appreciate that. I think uh, your patients have to be very fortunate to have you as their doctor because you really do care and it comes across and I think most doctors do. remember when my kids were very young, I would bring a list with me of questions because I couldn't remember all the things, you know, when you get in there and the kids are squirming around and being jacked up. And uh, I often, then my husband said, oh, the doctor probably hates it when you walk in there with a list. What do you think if a mother comes in with a a list of questions?
2: As long as it's not 50 questions she wants (laughs) answered in 15 minutes, I'm fine. Um, Pick the top two. And I always read the entire list through and try to answer them. Uh, but again, if it's fifty, that's no, not no. going to be. That will have to be split into different visits. But if I would it's think so. One <laughs> or two really good ones. I love. I love lists. Oh good, good. It tells okay. me that you care and are invested.
0: Oh, great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Cruz. We appreciate having you here today. We're running out of time. This half hour has gone so quickly, but we hope all of you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program. As always, you can hear more from Dr. Holm online at prairiedoc.org, where you may also learn more about the exciting activities of the Healing Words Foundation. Thank you so much, Dr. Cruz, for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Okay. And thanks to all of you for listening to Prairie Dock Radio. I'll close with Dr. Holmes' weekly reminder. Stay healthy out there, people.